What's up, guys? This is Vince from Help a Show, and you're listening to MMA Wreckage Radio. To the 32nd episode of MMA Wreckage Radio. I got that right. 32nd, guys. Uh, we have a pretty action-packed episode for you. It's International Fight Week. We have UFC 239 to break down while Lita is here with me. We're also going to be recapping UFC on ESPN3+. Plus. We have three awesome guests for you guys today. First off, we have UFC Bantamweight contender Vince Morales, who's going to be stopping by ahead of his upcoming UFC in Sacramento fight against Benito Lopez. Then the teenage dream kid, Chase Hooper, is going to be stopping by to talk about his Titan FC performance. Amazing performance. The kid went in there and did the thing. Uh, Hostile territory. He went in there, first round finish, made it look simple. He said it himself, his next fight should be in the UFC. He's already got a developmental talent contract, so hopefully we'll be seeing Chase Hooper very soon. But uh, Wally Wall, how you doing yeah, today, brother? I'm good. How are you, brother? I'm doing pretty good. Are you excited for International Fight Week? For sure, man. This is the great, This is the best. Uh, you know, the best period to, to be a uh, to watch uh, MMA fights. Like the UFC, they always bring you know the A game when you come to summer. No, definitely, and this one is is definitely not lost any of the hype at all. Even yeah. even with the fact that Engano dos Santos was moved to this last weekend, it was a hell of a fight. It would have been awesome to be on this card, but still a phenomenal card from top to bottom. The two goats up top. Let's talk about John Jones. We're going to talk about Amanda Nunes. I honestly think at this point, Amanda Nunes obviously she's ran through everybody who's ever held the featherweight and bantamweight title except for the preacher's daughter she faces the preacher's daughter holly holmes on saturday we'll see how that outcome is going to be yeah then there's a lot of big fights you know there's the nascrin fighting luke rockhold there's a lot of great fights we're going to talk about yeah luke rockhold going to 205 man i mean there's another 205 contender now bringing himself in there we'll see what he can do against yawn I mean, people are high on Jan, even though Tiago went in there and messed him up. But Tiago messes a lot of guys up, so you can't really hold that against Jan. I'm really excited to see what he's going to do against Rockhold. But, I mean, Rockhold is a beast, and now he's not cutting that weight to get down to 85, and he's going to obviously feel a lot better, a lot faster, and a lot more agile. I believe, I think, when they don't cut any weight, that it benefits them more. We'll see how his performance is going to be on Saturday, like I said, with Holly Holmes and everyone else. It's going to be a great card, stacked top to bottom, man. Um, I'll be there in attendance. I can't wait for it. Uh, I'm heading down to Vegas on Friday. We're going to be there for the press conference and the weigh-ins. Me and the wifey, we're going to be enjoying International Fight Week like we did last year. It's going to be a, a good time. But we are going to take a quick break with station identification. After uh, that, we'll get back to some more MMA Wreckage Radio.
Hi guys, it's Becky with 9187 Custom, and you're watching MMA Wreckage Radio. Alright guys, back at this time, I got Wally Wall with me. We are going to be recapping UFC on ESPN3. It was headlined by Junior Dos Santos and Francis Ngani. We will get into that fight a little bit later. We are going to start with the first fight of the night. And Maurice Green went in there and put it on Junior Albini with a beautiful TKO knockout. Three minutes and 38 seconds in a round one. Maurice Green looked phenomenal. I mean, we only saw three minutes of, obviously, a body of work. But in those three minutes, he looked very, very good. Yeah, he didn't waste uh, any time, you know. And it wasn't the only, uh, like, uh, stoppage in the first round. Like, we had five stoppage in the first round in this card. So that was a you know, pretty exciting for, uh, fight card. And uh, Morris Green looked uh, great. And, uh, you know, when you win a fight, like, uh, under... Uh, under three minutes, uh, it's the perfect way to win. No, definitely. I mean, he went in there and put it on Junior Albini. Like you said, he did not waste any time. Finished it with strikes. Just looked phenomenal. I would love to see him get a step up in competition soon. Another person who came in and looked phenomenal in her UFC debut, Amanda Rebus, defeated Emily Whitmire by submission rear naked choke at the two minutes and ten second mark of the second round. She looked phenomenal throughout the entire fight. Emily Whitmire did not have any answer to the Amanda Rebus puzzle. It was just yeah. a completely outmatching performance for Rebus. And Emily Whitmire, if I'm not wrong, like she got uh, booed during the uh, during the face-off. Uh... Yeah, she got really aggressive with Rebus. And uh, she made comments about that and said that it was Rebus who got into her face and she's the one, yeah. Rebus, who put her hand, I guess, up against Emily Whitmire's jaw and that's when Emily, you know, took offense to it and got a little aggressive. Yeah, and during the face-off, everybody, like, is really hyped and everybody want to punch everybody, but yeah, maybe maybe it wasn't good for her because she, she didn't look good during the fight. So maybe having this much, you know, uh, aggressivity, like they to, wanted to hurt Amanda so bad, maybe did, didn't work out very well for her. I would say. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Emily Wotmeyer also got into it with Mac Mackenzie Dern before their yeah. fight in Brazil. She ended up getting knocked out for those efforts too. Is it the fight where uh, Mackenzie did miss weight? She missed weight, but she had a big knockout. Yeah, but she missed weight. Well, That's I mean, me. it is what it is. But another amazing debut, your man from Africa went in there and defeated Daquan Townsend by TKO. Amazing. It was by punches and elbows. 42 seconds into round three. Between the two rounds, I mean, it was back and forth the first round. Dolce put him on in the second round and then completely finished him in the third. Yeah, the Dolce and Jambula, like uh, we won in the th like by TKO in the third round. I, I would say that for for a first fight, it's pretty impressive because it was a good performance for him in this you know very hyped card. Because uh, this card, like we had a lot of stoppage in this card, so it, it was good. And if, his first win in the UFC is you know it's always good. Let's see what he brings in the to the table. Where do you think he goes next in the slight heavyweight division? I don't know, man. I think it's pretty soon to say, like, to give names. I think he needs to, to stay uh, right now. He needs to stay ready. And, uh, you know, 
any name UFC gave him, he need to accept and win all the fights. You know, they they give to him. To him. I think you could see him up against Little Nog. Yeah, that's an option. Maybe, you know, kill another kill a legend. For sure, you're gonna take that one out definitely. Yeah. But another great fight, Jared Gordon went in there and defeated Dan Moret by unanimous decision, 30-27. They had two judges on the scorecards, 29-28. I don't really understand that, Judge. I had it 30-27 for Jared Gordon. He went in there and just completely put it on Dan Moret the entire three rounds, and it was just an amazing performance. Yeah, sometimes, you know, the judges, uh, judge, the judge score, it's weird, but, you know, when it's a unanimous decision, like, it didn't, you know, really matter, because he won, so that's the most important thing, but, yeah, it was a 30-27, I would say, too. An amazing performance that did not need the judges' scorecards. Eric Anders went in there and defeated Vinicius, Vinicius Moreno by KO. It was one minute and 18 seconds into the first round. And uh, Eric Anders just looked phenomenal. He completely put himself back on the map with this win. It was something that he needed, I think, more for his mental psyche more than anything. He had that performance against Thiago Santos where obviously it was on short notice. You're not going to look your best against a guy who's obviously now fighting John Jones this weekend. Then he had another fight against Khalil Roundtree where, he, as you see, Khalil Roundtree put it on him. Eric Anders yeah. himself on this show even talked about how Khalil Roundtree put it on him. But Eric Anders on this show also talked about going and talking to a mental coach. And I really think that this mental coach helped Eric Anders to be that beast that he needed to be. Yeah, this is crazy right now in sport. Like, like if we go talk with our parents, like they, they didn't have you know mental coach back then. But right now it's very imp important to have mental coach. Like you, every detail counts. And if a mental coach can really help you bring uh, bring it all in the cage, you know, go, go for it. And he won by knockout in the in the in the first round. So I think that it worked. Now for the main event for the UFC on ESPN three portion of the cards, of the prelim cards, sorry. Ricardo Ramos defeated Journey Newson by unanimous decision, 30-27. It was a complete one-sided performance. It was definitely a 37-27 performance. Not much we can talk about. Uh, Ricardo Ramos went in there and just put on a one-sided performance. Yeah, it was one-sided, and it was a, a great way to end the, you know, the first part of the show. No, for sure. Now, to go into the main card of the ESPN on yeah, UFC on ESPN 3 portion of the card, Alonzo yeah. Minifield defeated Paul Craig by KO. That was three minutes and 19 seconds into the first round. Alonzo Minifield has definitely put himself on the map in this light heavyweight division. And... Uh, People really need to be worried about him. I mean, he's definitely beginning to look like a potential problem for the light heavyweight division. Yeah, and you know, when you see uh, Paul Craig is a warrior. Like, it's not the kind of guy, you know, to lose in the first round easily. And, you know, he's the kind of guy you can knock him down like three times in a fight and he still will, will win in the third round by submission. But Alfonso, you know, he, ha he really had the power and he, he knocked him out cold, I would say. Minifield is now 8-0. I mean, 
the sky's the limit for this guy. He yeah. has been dynamite ever since he's walked onto the scene in the Contender Series. Just another one of these guys who was exploded onto the scene from the Contender Series. We have Johnny Walker, who came from the Contender Series Brazil. I mean, I feel like these two guys eventually are destined to meet each other. Yeah, maybe not right now because you know you will kill the hype of one of them. I would say if you if they face a uh, face off right yeah, now. Yeah, but I mean, eventually you gotta understand yeah. this light heavyweight division is getting very very stacked at the top, and people yeah. don't realize that there's all these young guys coming up. Uh, Ratchet that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. We have uh, Dom, uh, Dominic Reyes, obviously Johnny Walker. Yeah. We have obviously, like we just talked about, Alonzo Minifield. There's so many more guys. Tiago Santos, who's fighting for the title. The guy who just lost for the, the title defense. Uh, Rockhold. Luke, Luke Rockhold, yeah. Up in the division, so yeah, it's it's really stacked division right now. At some point, it wasn't. At some point, it was like you have DC and John Jones. After that, you have Gustafson and you have the others. Maybe you have Glover near to to Gustafson and Rumble, maybe. But, you know, there was a bridge. But right now, there's no bridge. Like, the division is really stacked. Now, another great fight. Drew Dauber went in there and defeated Marco Polarez by TKO. One minute and seven seconds into the first round. It was amazing. Drew Dauber went in there and knocked out Marco Polarez. It was awesome. Yeah, another knockout, another uh, TKO in the first round. So, yeah, we, they didn't waste time in this card, I would say. Fighters wanted to to win quickly, and they did. So it was a good performance by him, by Drew Dropper. Now, uh, what I think was one of the more impressive performances, a guy who was on this show last week, Vince Pichel, went in there and put it on Roosevelt Roberts. Roosevelt Roberts was the favorite going into this fight. Vince Pichel in the first round, he lost the first round, clearly. Yeah. In in the next two rounds, went in there, and he put it on Roosevelt Roberts. Going into the third round, he said, this boy cannot take it. And he went in there, and he put it on Roosevelt Roberts for the next, obviously, two rounds, and then won that fight 29-28 by unanimous decision. Vince Pichel definitely changed up his game plan after the first round and he made an awesome alteration to go in there and to put it on a very young prospect and take a lot of hype away from this kid yeah he took the fight to the ground he slowed down uh, roosevelt that was good for him the first round like it was more of stand-up fight round so roosevelt in his striking is Kind of better than Vince Pichel, but in the second and the third, Vince Pichel put on clinic, like taking taking him down, putting pressure on him, and he looked good. He, he looked really good. It was and it was a difficult fight because he lost the first round. He didn't look very good in the first one. Maybe by the end of the first round he looked good, but in the beginning not really. And the, in the second and the third, it was like a different person. He really looked very good. It was a great performance by him. Now, your buddy Damian Mayo went in there and defeated Anthony Rocco Martin by unanimous decision, 29-28. Tell me, what you, thought of, tell me what you thought about uh, Damian's performance. It wasn't a unanimous decision. At first it was unanimous, but then they said it was... It was unanimous. Yeah, it was a majority. So Damian Maya in the first and second, he looked good, but in the third round, like he got, he got hurt by Anthony Rocco Martin. But you know, you know how fights go when Damian Maya win. It means that he clinched. 
Yeah, the fight went to the ground. He tried to finish it. Anthony Rocco Martin defended very well because he didn't get, you know, he didn't get strangled by, by Damien Maya. So that's a good thing. But uh, I, I think even though it's a loss, Anthony Rocco, it's not the last time we see Anthony Rocco Martin. I really think that the guy really have big potential. And uh, yeah, and Damien Maya just uh, with this win, he's, he's back at it, you know, he's back in the game. No, for sure. And talk about someone who's back in the game. Joseph Benavides has stamped himself the number one contender in the flyweight division as he TKOs Joseph Joseph Formiga by head kicks and punches. Four minutes and forty-seven seconds into round two, it was an amazing performance. I mean, he fell down after the head kick. A huge head kick landed square on Joseph Formiga's jaw. I mean, he fell down, got back up, threw some left and a right. I mean, he landed on Formiga's chin. It just he, he looked phenomenal in his performance. It was the last guy to beat Henry Cejudo. I said we run it back for that flyweight title this time. Yeah. So you think that Henry should fight him? Should fight him first? Yes, for sure. That's I not- think. I think at this point, Joseph Benavides has made himself a number one contender, a more validated number one contender than anyone in the Bantamweight contender, the Bantamweight division can obviously can present. Yeah, but is it just, isn't it just the hype of, you know, because he fought right now, like, let's say like in a, in one month, like we have the Sterling against Moraes, uh, against uh, Jan or Moraes fight, and you know, we have another uh, number one contender. In yeah, that but let, let me ask you this, let me ask you this. Who's beaten Morais? The champ. No, besides, besides Henry. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't see somebody like uh, really worth it. Who's, who's beaten TJ? Would be TJ the champ. Outside of him. Dominic Cruz. Yeah. So. You 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 name one bantamweight who's really validated themselves as a number one contender compared to what Joseph Benavides has done in the flyweight division, taking out number one contender, number two contender, number two contender, number two contender, number two contender, and he's taken out the current flyweight champion of the world. How do you not give this man the title shot next? How do you not make... Henry Cejudo cut down to 125 and defend his flyweight title first. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it's the fight to make. For sure. He really did it. Yeah, he really did what, what it takes to have his, uh, his title fight. And another man that did exactly what it was going to take to get his title fight, Francis Ngannou defeated Junior Dos Santos one minute and 11 seconds into round number one. One 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 one, and all it took was one clean shot from Francis Ngannou, and it took JDS clean out. Yeah, listen, man, it's it's scary because he he, he like he mauled the two maybe best striker in the division, who are the JDS and the Overeem. He knocked them out both, so. It's kind of scary, and when you see him, you know, destroying people like that, people who are very technical, that means that it's really scary. And I really think that Francis will be UFC heavyweight champion. 
Well, who I did he take the title off of? The, the, at, at this point, I would say either way, either it's DC or Stipe, nobody will stop him. I honestly would love to see Junior Dos Santos versus Cain Velasquez one yeah. more time. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about something. Why, why not bring Kane against Fabrizio Verdum again? Honestly, I, I, I don't mind that at all. You know, because it was, you know, he took the title from him, and after that, Kane did it. He got some injuries. Now Fabrizio is not the champion. He needs a big fight. I as, soon think as, as soon as Fabrizio comes back from suspension? Yeah. I think it would be a fight that you could figure out between the two of them. Yeah, but Francis. Francis is guaranteed to be the next for the heavyweight title. He's the number one contender. If for some reason someone gets injured for this next fight coming up with DC and Stipe, obviously Francis Ngannou is the only replacement option. Yeah. Uh, after whoever wins the title, whether it be Stipe or DC, they should be fighting Francis Ngannou next. Yeah, you're right, 100%. No matter what. I wanted to ask you about something. Stipe is kind of a big guy, right? He's not a small guy. Like, we saw him near to, you know, when he stands... Oh, yeah, against, he, he's a big dude. Yeah, but when he come near to Francis... Like, he looks small when he, uh, for a guy like Francis. Yeah. DC would be too, maybe... Do you think DC is too small for Francis? I think... Okay, hear me out. I think DC yeah. is the right amount of small to get under Francis and to utilize that wrestling to his advantage. Yeah, but you know, for a wrestler, it's good to be smaller. But is but is he too small? That's the question because I really think he's too small for him. I think he might be too small if Francis lands one of those big right hands. Yeah, but if if he can manage to you know to keep the distance with the jab. It would be really hard for DC to 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 you know to break the distance and take him down with a single leg. It would be really hard for him. Do you think that we eventually ever see a Francis Ngannou John Jones fight? Yeah, I think I think we will we will see that. After maybe it will be even his third title defense. Another man who's came out and said that he wouldn't mind fighting Francis Ngannou and he could beat him today. Is light heavyweight contender Johnny Walker? Yeah, but you know, I think Johnny Walker should stay in the light heavyweight division because I really think that he can, you can, he can make big waves uh, right there. And maybe in the, maybe he will at some point go to heavyweight, but I think it's too soon for him. No, for sure, guys. But uh, we are going to take a quick break. After we get a quick station identification, this was your recap of UFC on ESPN3. Wally Wall, thank you for coming by. Uh, we're going to have you back in a little bit to do our preview of it. UFC 239. Can't wait for that. But right now, we have a quick interview. Like I said, a quick station identification first, and then we'll get on to that interview right now. Hey, what's up, guys? It's your boy, Eric Anders, and you're listening to MMA Wreckage Radio. All right, guys, joining me at this time is a UFC prospect, Vince Morales. Vince, how you doing today? Doing good. How you doing? Doing pretty good. Now, you have a bantamweight matchup coming up here 
what it's going to be next week at uh, Sacramento against Benito Lopez. Tell me uh, how are you feeling about that opponent, Benito? Uh, it's kind of the oppo- opponent I've been kind of hoping I, gr- I get somebody like that, somebody who's exciting, going to throw some unpredictable stuff. Uh, I think it's going to be a fun matchup. Should be a fun fight. Yeah, and he's definitely uh, he trains out there in Sacramento. He's part of Team yeah. Alpha Males, so he's definitely going to be the favorite. Do you feel like that's an advantage for you that he's going to have to be fighting in his own backyard? He's got a bunch of other distractions outside of the octagon. Yes and no. Some people are pretty good at dealing with those and using that to kind of rise themselves up. Uh, for me, when I was fighting back home in Boise, Idaho, I was always fighting the Boise natives. So I was kind of always the bad guy. So I'm okay with jumping back into that role. Go in there and kind of silence the crowd. I love that, yeah. <laughs> now, this is your second UFC uh, appearance. You're one and one so far. You had a, a phenomenal appearance, what I thought, in your UFC debut. It was a short-notice fight. It was a, uh, what, all the way across the country against Sonya Dong. Tell me, how was that whole experience for you? The whole experience was a little, I don't want to say overwhelming, but there was a, there was a lot going on with that. It, just it being the first fight, it being short-notice, it being, it being somebody on the caliber of Song who was coming up, um, I... I I don't know. I thought, I thought for the most part it was going pretty well. I let him dictate things more than I should have, and I, it could have easily just been switched around if I would just been better at that. So, um, All in all, it was a good learning experience for me. Um, if, I, if I got to travel all the way to the world to make my debut, everything else is just going to, I think, fall right into place. So, And then you came back last May, or this May, and you got a unanimous victory over Emin Zoyabi. How did that fight all play out for you? Uh, it didn't play out the way I thought it would, honestly. Um I, I thought I'd be able to outstrike him, but uh, I thought he'd be coming forward a lot more and we'd have more exchanges. I'd have more openings to land my type of shots. Uh, I really had to pick and choose and work my way in. He kind of stayed on the outside and, and made it a little more difficult for me to land the significant stuff on him. But uh, another good learning experience. I'm, I'm all about improving, so if I can take that and just grow from there, I think that's a good starting point. Do you feel like you hold any advantages over Benito, whether it's standing or on the ground? Um, I, I think mentally, I think I might, it, it's, it's hard to say. I haven't seen much from him. I think I should be able to figure things out more so than he would. He seems like he kind of, he gets a little repetitive with his stuff, even though it's quote unquote unpredictable. Um, it's ends up becoming predictable towards, towards the end. It's kind of that same stuff. I should be able to figure things out a little better as the fight goes on. So I see myself picking it up as the fight goes on. Now, when you were originally uh, given Benito and it being the Sacramento card, did you already know that your cousin Ricky Simone was going to be on that card fighting Uriah? Yeah, me and uh, so Benito was actually he had, he was originally scheduled to face Martin Day, and unfortunately Martin had a had an injury and had to pull out. And then uh, I my manager hit me up saying there was a spot in the Sacramento card, and I've been kind of bugging him about that and bugging Twitter about that. And I've, I've been wanting to get on that since Ricky was there. Uh, we've been trying to get on the same card for years now. So the fact that there was finally an opportunity and on the big stage, I mean, sign me up. I was just, I was ready for it. Is this the first time you guys ever fought together on the same card? Yeah, it is. Yep. That's awesome. So it's all in the UFC, the big stage, going in there to Sacramento to take on arguably their biggest fighter in Uriah Favor and their up-and-coming guy in Benito Lopez. Yeah, I love it, man. I think I think that's that's a great story in in and of itself. It's gonna be fun to see how all this plays out. So, now growing up, uh, were you and Ricky always kind of competitive with each other? Uh, I I want to say yeah, but Ricky was so much bigger and stronger than 
even his brothers that, I mean, we, we tried to be competitive, but Ricky was always a little tank growing up. It, it makes sense that he's fighting now. Now, has this always kind of been your destination? You've always wanted to fight? Uh, I think I, in, in the back of my mind, yeah, I always wanted to be like a professional athlete and be able to train all day, improve myself, um, just get a better physical version of myself. So fight, I ended up finding fighting and that fitting that scenario. So yes and no. What brought you to martial arts? Uh, I used to wrestle back in high school and then just a couple years after high school, I just, I saw the itch, I saw that little bit of fire to compete and, uh, stumbled onto MMA in my old little town of Ontario, Oregon. And, uh, yeah, the rest of history, I mean, I just stuck with it and looked up all kinds of YouTube videos, whatever I could do to try to grow. And then, yeah, thankfully, I mean, it's been working out good for the most part. Now, you had an opportunity on the Dana White Contender Series. You ended up losing that fight by a rear naked choke. Did you, uh, was that a learning experience for you? Yeah, it, it was. I think I think uh, mentally I was in my own way for that fight. Um, the, the first round was great. I kind of, in, in my mind, I had I was as I was hitting him, I was signing the contract already. And the fact that he toughed it out, I think I I mentally may have checked out sooner, and it was harder to get that switch back on. And uh, made some made some minor mistakes, which is sometimes all it takes, and ended up paying for it. But uh, yeah, so now I know. <laughs> I mean, if I'm a big believer in like learning things the hard way, and those those being the things that stick. So that's exactly where I'm at. And then uh, you went into Bellator 205, and uh, you put on a phenomenal performance, and that kind of just threw you back into the spotlight for Sonya Dong. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Uh, the Justin Hugo was a, was a tough guy for the Bellator one, and coming off of uh, my first loss in a few years, that was a big one, and my first time getting choked out, going unconscious. Like the, there was a there was a lot to rise from for that. So, and that's that's still where I'm at. I'm still trying to rise. I'm still trying to grow and become a better martial artist. Where do you see yourself competing up against these top bantamweights in this UFD? I think I might match up better against some of the top bantamweights and some of the up-and-comers. The up-and-comers, like, a lot of us up-and-comers are solid. So, I think those guys up at the top have a lot to worry about. Um, I think once I get up there, I can, again, mentally, I think I can figure some things out and expose some holes in a lot of those guys and really make my mark in the division. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that that some of the guys behind you or in the same lane as you are just as difficult or if not harder than some of the guys above you. I've interviewed a lot of the lightweight fighters in the UFC and they've said some of the same things that some of these younger guys coming up are a lot more dangerous than these guys sitting up at the top. Do you feel like you're one of the more dangerous up-and-coming fighters? And do you feel like with this fight with Benito, does it kind of solidify who is going to be the next guy? Yeah, exactly. Um, I had another interview that where I was talking to somebody and they were looking at me like the prospect killer. So, I mean, I love that. I'm all about that. I, I feel like I'm a prospect just in in itself as well. So if I got to fight those other guys who are right in my same position to really prove my point, when I get up there, I think I'm re really going to do some damage, like I was saying. Do you have a prediction for this fight? I'm not one for predicting fights, uh, really. I, I, I mean, I wish I could say, I wish I could say, I, yeah. Um, if, if all goes well, I should be able to outpoint him, and I see him going, going out eventually. So I think uh, I'm, I'm working hard to get that first finish in the UFC. So. Do you have an idea of what you want next, or you just kind of can't pay attention to Benito? Pretty much, whatever's right in front of me is what I'm dealing with. I know, I know. The stuff that's going to come later will come, will 
I mean, that'll be there. So for now, I'm just dealing with the task at hand. And this is your second fight in 2019. How many more would you like to get in? I'd like to get another one for sure. Um, I, I mean, two ideally, but I know I've basically been in training camp since I started MMA. I haven't really taken a break ever. So um, my coach and my family would probably like me to relax just for a little bit, let my body fully heal up. Um, we'll see, though. I mean, I'm big for opportunities. If there's something knocking on the door right after this one, I mean, sign me up. Is there a certain possible destination that you would like to fight at? Uh, I Well, so the last time when I fought in the Contender Series, that same week, the UFC was in Boise, Idaho, which is where I've had most of my fights. Yes. Um, so I would really like for them to come back and me to go be on a good spot on that car, like somewhere in the main car or something. That, that's a that's a goal for me. I'd like to be able to put on a show back from my hometown people. Being the main card in a Boise, Idaho card, that'd be nice. Oh, man, that's, like a, that's, that's part of a dream come true, yeah. For sure. Do you have a specific arena in mind in Boise? Yeah, uh, the only arena they ever really have fights at is the Century League Arena, which is when it's done up right, I mean, that's a solid arena. Um, I've, I've had a lot of fights there, and it, that's home for me right now. So to be able to go back there and put on a good show, I, I mean, I'd love that. Where are you training at right now? Right now, uh, me and my head coach, Tony Franklin, are doing most of our training out at the PI. Um, he's actually in the middle of opening his own gym here in Vegas called Ultimate Performance Athletics. Oh, nice. That's, yeah, that's going to be great. Um, I learn something new from that guy literally every time I go train. So I know he's excited to be able to share that with more people than just our tight little crew. So it's going to be nice. That should be open like early August. So you're in Vegas right now? Yep. And oh. I moved down here I got my apartment like a week before the last fight. Oh, wow. So uh, how's that transition been for you? It's It's been pretty good for the most part. I mean, I wake up and I go train and stay busy at the PI until like 5 o'clock where I come back home and try to just unwind and rinse and repeat. Um, uh, my family back home misses me and I miss them, so I, I make little trips back every now and then. But for the most part, it's been a pretty great transition over here. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I'll be heading out there Friday for International Fight Week. I'm super excited for that. Oh, nice, man. Yeah. Yeah. Are you going to be able to make it out to the fights? Right now. Say it again. The PI's been super packed with all these, with like, I saw Stylebender there, uh, Tiago Santos. All these guys are just piling in right now. So it's been, it's been a crazy week at the PI. That's awesome. That's a, do you ever get any rounds in with anybody? Uh, I get a, I get a few rounds in over at Extreme Couture with a lot of man. Extreme Couture has a lot of killers over there. Yes. They got uh, George Alcala is coming up. That dude's solid. Uh, Gustavo Lopez, that guy's that guy's a tank. Uh, Joseph Benavidez, another great guy to train with. Um, Gary, I can't remember his last name. He fights over for one championship. He's got a big fight coming up the same week. So, yeah, my train with a lot of great guys over here. It's been it's been awesome to be able to get in work with some of those guys. Yeah, no, I uh, I did a piece on an amateur fighter there, Jose Cascaro. And, I mean, the amount of talent that you guys have in that building is amazing. Just seeing some of your amateurs you have and see how well and how tuned they are at just at the amateur level. And then just to go around the corner and to see all you guys, you, you pros out there, it's just phenomenal, the type of talent that Extreme Couture puts together. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm super glad that they, like, welcomed us in with open arms. It's, it's, been, it's been awesome to be able to get to work with a lot of those guys. So who kind of been your main training partners heading into Benito? Uh, my main training partner is uh, Josh Loftus. He's uh, he used to train with my with Coach Tony way back in the day, and uh, found out he was back and jumped in right with us. So he's been he's been my main training partner. And then we go over there to Extreme and get in work with those guys. 
Where do you feel like you would like this fight to go? Would you like it to stay on the ground? Would you like it to stay on their feet? Wherever it has to. I think everybody always thinks of me as a striker, but that doesn't that doesn't necessarily mean that my ground is anything to be like taken for granted or taken lightly. Um, I'm I'll be prepared everywhere. Wherever it has to go is where I'll take it and get the win. So uh, we know what you're definitely like in the cage, Vince. Tell us a little bit what you're like outside of the cage. Outside, like hobbies, you mean, or something? Yeah. Man, right now, being in Vegas, I really I train and then I come home and try to unwind. I'll, I'll watch like started watching a few Amazon shows. Uh, Animal Kingdom, which was a great one. Oh, it's, it's a not, great show. Yes. Yeah, I'm glad you've seen yeah, that. Most I people. love that show. <laughs> yeah. See, yeah, I, I so. grew up in Oceanside, so the fact that it was based in Oceanside, it, it totally uh, fell for it. Oh, that's oh crazy, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's. So I've been watching that. Um, watching Sneaky Pete. I go out and get some sun when I can. Try to explore the town, get to know things. Um, play video games with a bunch of my friends back home. So what whatever game, I can. What games do you get into? Right now, mostly it's Apex Legends. That one I've been digging quite a bit. And then Call of Duty. I think everybody plays Call everybody of Duty. plays Call of Duty. Yeah, I love that game. Yeah, pretty much whatever is fast-paced and is good for my low attention span, I'm playing. So. <laughs> yeah, as long as I keep shooting people, I'm good. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So uh, are, do you guys have any plans on bringing any kind of family out, you and Ricky, for these fights? So I, I know back home there's like, 23 people that were for sure going to make it. Everybody's already purchased their tickets. They've got their hotels. They're driving out. I'm, that's like a nine-hour drive. So kudos. Yeah. Thank you, man. That's crazy. Um, and Ricky, from his on his side from Portland, man, I'm not real sure, but he always has a solid following coming out. So, man, he's probably going to have more than 50 people just making that trip for him. And Portland's nothing. That's a hop, skip, and a jump from Sacramento. Oh, for sure. That's why I'm like, man, it's going to be packed over there with all those guys. No, right? So, I mean, it might even feel like a homecoming for you guys as well. Yeah, really. That'd be nice. Heck yeah. Definitely. So, uh, we know the opponent's Benito Lopez. You won't give us a prediction, but uh, it's definitely a fast-paced fight. I'm looking forward to it. What can you say you are going to be looking forward to in the next five years of your career? In the next five years, man, that's quite a bit. I think that that would leave me time for a, a title shot, if not carrying the title in five years. That, that that's kind of that's the goal that's in the back of my mind. Like I said, I'm pretty big on the task at hand, whatever's in front of me, focusing on. But back of my mind, that's I mean, I think we all want that championship belt held over our shoulders and stuff. So, I mean, in five years, that's plenty of time for me to be right there. And some of these guys up at the top right now in the Bantamweight division, how do you feel you would go up against, say, like a Henry Cejudo, the champion, or a Aljamain Sterling, a number one contender? Aljamain Sterling would be a fun one. Uh, that dude's he, he's a little bigger Bantamweight, so I'll have to figure out have to figure out something to be able to work against his size. He's he's a pretty big dude. Um, Cejudo's gonna be Cejudo would be a very interesting one. I feel like he's he's a lot smarter than he gets credit for when he's in there. Yes. I mean, he made. This last time, everybody was talking about the adjustments he made. They showed, so that that will be a fun one as well. I think I can, I think I can get to a point where I can outpoint those guys. I just got to be be smart about it because they're they're very clever and tricky fighters. Um, somebody up there, I think, will be will probably have an amazing fight. Be Peter Yan. That Peter would Jan be amazing. Be a, yeah, that'd be a great fight. Yeah, that would be a war. Now that I think about it. Yeah, yeah. See, that gives me goosebumps thinking about it. <laughs> Yeah, because someone call Sean Shelby and make that one happen. 
<laughs> Sign me up. I'm right there. All yeah. about it. Uh, so this week in International Fight Week, the main event, John Jones versus Tiago Santos. What does Tiago Santos have to do to f- solve this puzzle that is John Jones? Man, I'd say faint, 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 faint and set up a big shot. <laughs> he's he's going to have to find some way to land that shot. I think everybody, I think, I'm pretty sure his crew knows that that's going to be his, his saving grace, his, his main thing that he's after because John Jones has got all the tricks in the book to throw at him. So it's going to be, that's a difficult puzzle for him. No, for sure, for sure. Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to your fight, though, against Benito. Like I said, it's next week. Uh, ESPN plus 13, I believe it is. Yeah, that was 13, yeah. So, man, so the ESPN Plus deal, how do you feel about it so far? I'm loving it so far. I think that's exactly where the UFC belongs, with the biggest sporting network in the world. I mean, man, that's I've, I've been loving every minute of it. Having all the fights available through ESPN on the app like that, it's been awesome. Yeah, from a fighter's aspect, I don't think I've heard really a bad thing from their aspect. Yeah, I... I for sure can't complain at all. I mean, it's it's been smooth set, smooth sailing the whole time. So, no, definitely. All right, man. Well, I don't want to take any more of your time. I know you're super busy. You've been training. And you just got done training. Uh, before I let you go, though, I want to give you an opportunity to give a quick shout out to your sponsors, loved ones, teammates, anyone who's helped you along your MMA career. Gotcha. Okay. Cool. Appreciate that. Um, so, Coach Tony and my teammate Josh Lopez. I mean, those guys have been like a major key in my success as of late and the, my success going forward. I know that's going to be there. Everybody out there making the trip. I love you guys. Thank you so much. It's a crazy trip. It's a long way just to go watch somebody get a little, be crazy in a cage, get locked in there. That, that's awesome. Um, my sponsors quest has been a big one for me right now. I always eating those quest bars. They're nice and little, low calorie, good snacks. Um, who else is helping me out right now? Complex. And there's, so, there's so many. I should have, wrote them down real quick my my management at radium radium sports and they take such good care of me they, they always get me taken care of with all the necessities venoms get got me some gear for this fight that i'm well prepared with sponsors back home with phones plus that's a that's a big one ideal spine man there's been so many and i can't thank all you guys enough it's gonna be awesome july 13th you're in. where can the fans find you on social media social media uh, the best place is actually instagram uh, you can find me on there at Vendetta135 or on Twitter. It's the same handle, Vendetta135. You can also reach out on Facebook, but I try to stay away from that. There's a lot of nonsense there. So Instagram and Twitter is the best place. All right, guys. And uh, if you haven't heard it yet, you're going to hear it here real quick. Up-and-coming Bantamweight prospect Vince Morales is coming to steal this show. He's going to be taking out Benito Lopez next Saturday. Vince, thank you for joining us today, brother, and uh, have a good day. I appreciate that, man. Thank you. Yo, yo, this is Desmond the Predator Green. You're listening to MMA Records Radio. Yeah. All right, guys. At this time, Wally Wall and I are going to break down some current events for this week leading up to International Fight Week in Las Vegas, Nevada. Super excited for that whole experience. But a couple of fights that were announced and some more things that Waleed and I are going to get into but uh, Wally, well, let's talk about these two co-main events that were just recently announced. Vicente Luque is taking on your boy, Platinum, Mike Perry, in Uruguay for the co-main event. Yeah, this is a great, this is a great fight they made because I think that Mike Perry is the kind of fighter that everybody likes. 
people lo love to watch him fight because you know he's kind of a fun guy and Vicente Luque is a killer you know and Mike Perry is a killer too so that's a good fight you know that's a real exciting fight no definitely I'm, I'm glad to see that Uruguay has a very very well established co-main event uh, I believe the main event out there is going to be uh, the title fight right Valentina I think so yeah I think this would I, I think it would be the co-main event of this fight yeah I, really, I think so, yeah. Nice, nice. Another amazing co-main event, which is going to be on the China card, which has the title fight for this women's strawweight division. But Karate Hottie in the co-main event is going to be taking on Joanna Jojancic. Now, Karate Hottie is looking to be that mom champ. Super excited for her opportunity. If she wins this fight, she will definitely solidify herself as the number one contender in the women's strawweight division. But if Joanna Jojacic can go in there and make, get a victory, she will definitely put herself right back in the thick of things in that strawweight division and very well could get a shot at Jessica Andrade next. Yeah. After and I away Lejeune, obviously. Yeah, and I think that we will see a kind of a new version of uh, – of Joanna Jacek because when I saw her videos on Instagram when she trained, you know, she gained a lot of muscle weight, like, you know, uh, so I think that she has more power right now. So maybe we will see a knockout win, I think, against um, uh, the Karate Hari, but the Karate Hari right now is, uh, is looking very, very good. So we will see. That's an exciting fight. Uh, you hear about the potential of Darren Till actually moving up to 185. He said that he wouldn't be a small middleweight. Yeah, that makes sense, I think. Do you People think that he that. would look good in the middleweight division? Do you think he'd be able I mean, look at what it did for somebody like Robert Whitaker. Yeah, or Calvin. Yes. Yeah, I think it's a, I, I think it's the, the move to make because right now he, he already fought for the, fought for the belt. And he lost, and then he lost against Jorge Masvidal, who is a lightweight. So if the weight cost really hurt you that bad, that a lightweight as welterweight defeat you, I think that you need to move up and, you know, don't don't need to deal with the weight cut bullshit. You know, you need to focus. And I, I don't remember who, who's the fighter that said that, but the great thing when you move up a weight class is that during you know those two weeks before the fight. You don't really care about the weight cut. You need, you take, you know, you, you focus on details of fight of the fight, not just what you need to eat, what don't, you don't eat. And I think it's better for him. What do you think? I think it's a great move for Darren Till. I've been saying it for a while. I don't like fighters draining themselves to make that weight. You've seen the videos and you've seen what Darren Till put himself through to make that 175 pound weight limit. He puts himself through a lot, so I would definitely like to see him just cut that completely out and see what he could do without cutting any weight and to see the type of animal we see at the 185-pound division. Yeah, exactly. I think it will be very exciting to see him in, the, in that division. Now, do you remember back in Chicago we had a fight between Tony Ferguson and Donald Cowboy Cerrone? Yep. Well, that was not the UFC's original attention for that fight. They originally intended on it being Justin Gaethje versus Tony Ferguson, but Justin Gaethje has came out and recently said that he turned down a fight 
with Tony Ferguson because he didn't want to have to deal with that animal in four weeks' notice. Oh, the, this is for a guy that people said that it's, it's not very smart when it comes to fighting. I think it's a smart move because you don't want to fight against Tony Ferguson in short notice. That's not the kind of guy you want to. When you saw that cowboy who didn't fight him in short notice, you know he got he got fucked up. So I think Justin Gagey, but Justin Gagey maybe is, he wants to fight against Connor. What do you think? Do you think he's waiting for that money fight? I don't think that you would put him up against Connor. I don't think he's a big enough name for Connor. Yeah, but maybe Connor, maybe the UFC will try to give Connor a fight. You know, kind of they think it's easier than one of Habib or Tony Ferguson. No, definitely. Uh, another thing that kind of threw me off recently was the UFC got rid of John Lineker. I mean, I kind of, I guess, understand it, especially after the most recent fight dropout. Um, it's been a couple times that Lineker's done this to the UFC now. So I see their standpoint from there. I just don't understand because he was such a contender in that Bantamweight division. But was he during those last fights? At some point he was, but then when he lost to TJ, he he didn't look the same. He didn't look like the, very dangerous. But he but that doesn't mean that he need to be to get cut, you know, because he's a tremendous fighter. I think it's a, I would not say a mistake because I don't know very much of the details. Maybe he, like you said, he, he did he did you know refuse a lot of fights, so maybe that's the reason. But it's kind of weird. Kind of weird. I don't know. I don't know what to think about that. I don't really know what to think about that. No, definitely. It's a crazy situation when you really break it all yeah. down. Yeah. But uh, we really don't have a whole lot more to get into when it comes to current yeah. events. This week's kind of been slow with International Fight Week going up. Cross your fingers. Nothing's happened so far to the card uh, hopefully nothing will happen. But um, we are going to have some more MMA Wreckage Radio after a quick station identification. So stay tuned and we will be right back. My name is Vicente Luque and you're listening to MMA Wreckage Radio. All right, guys. Joining me at this time is uh, the teenage dream, Chase Hooper. How you doing today, brother? Hey, good. Just uh, woke up and getting ready to go train this morning and... Uh all the holiday stuff so before we had you here uh we were talking about the opponent luis gomez and how this was going to be such a tough task and how they really gave you one of their uh, top guys and you went in there and made it look like it was easy work yeah it was just uh kind of um like a test for me more like fight iq wise to see if i could take whatever he was throwing and adjust if i needed to and uh, really just try to work my game plan on him. Tell me, uh, after the fight, did you expect it to go as easy as it went? No. Like, even on the ground, I expected him to be maybe, like, more explosive or faster or stronger. But uh, but I trained with a ton of guys that are bigger, so I might have just been, like, assuming that based on that. So uh, when you got that first-round victory, did you think all of a sudden in your head that the UFC is probably your next stop? Yeah, but I I don't know. Um, like for the fight, a lot of the 
fight pass, like the higher up guys were there. Um, cause I had the fight pass guys filming with me and, uh, they definitely liked the fight. So, um, I think that bodes well for moving up, but if they want to have me fight another one or two outside, then, uh, I'm still open to that. Now, how was your whole experience with Titan and going to Florida? Uh, it was cool. Uh, I got to do a lot of sweet stuff, like, uh, go to a gator farm and, uh, yeah. How was that? You saw some caimans and stuff while you were out there in Florida? Yeah, it was cool. Um, you saw, yeah, some gators, um, like a boa, like a lot of cool stuff. And, uh, they took us out, took us out on the water and stuff in Everglades. It was cool. It was a good time. Nice, nice. You also, uh, you threw out the first pitch at a Marlins game. It was the first time you ever threw a baseball. Tell me how that was. Uh, it went really well. Um, it's definitely got to be a different experience. You definitely don't see a whole lot of fighters at baseball parks most of the time. You definitely don't see them squaring off in front of that many people. Yeah, definitely. Um, it was a cool experience. Like, uh, I really appreciate seeing, uh, like, high-level athletes in different sports because, you know, I know how much work it took them to get there. So, Yeah, and I mean, especially in baseball, some of those kids are 19, 20, like yourself, already in the league. So, I mean, that's got to bold well for yourself going in there, being one of the younger guys in the UFC at this point. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, It was a super cool experience. So how was throwing out the first pitch? Uh, Nervous? No, surprisingly not, because, uh, I don't know, the way I looked at it, like, all that stuff was extra, so... Yeah. If I messed it up, maybe people would think it was funny, and then, uh, you know, getting more followers on Instagram. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, what was your time with Lex? Did you spend a whole lot of time with Lex while you were out there? Uh, I spent a little bit of time with him, yeah. And uh, what was that whole situation like with you two? Uh, he's a very, like, macho guy, so, uh... <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I'm, uh, surprisingly not as, like, uh, that's not my thing as much. I'm a little more laid back. But, uh, no, we still got along fine, and, uh, I think it's time fighting out there. If the UFC came to you and said that they would like for you to fight for Titan again, is that an option that you would definitely look at? Uh, yeah. I liked how the show was ran. Um, I like uh, a lot of the shows like that where they only do like eight fights and they all do it pretty quick, like no intermission or anything. Because um, some of the more local shows will put on like 15 fights and then yeah. have like three intermissions. And it's like uh, if you're at the end of the card, it's just terrible to wait. And, like, a whole lot of wait time and then getting yeah. all built up and getting your energy level there and then waiting. Yeah. Yeah, I was. Uh, I didn't even know the first couple fights went out. Like, uh, they're just so busy back there. People were just talking and hanging out. Um, yeah, no, I liked it. Yeah, and the Fight Pass did a nice little video package for you. Uh, did you get a chance to check that out? I did, yeah. Um, the Fight Pass guys and I were like, hanging out and like, bullshitting the whole time. So uh, it was cool. They sent me all the stuff. Um, yeah, all the videos looked super cool. Now, um, has the UF now the UFC lines up your matches, correct? Uh, or does your coach do it? Uh, for the past couple of fights, it's been 
they'll give us like the lineup for Fight Pass of all the fight shows on there. And then we pick a show or they say which show they would prefer. And then um, we start looking for opponents. And then my coach has the final say as far as what um, what he wants opponent-wise. But for this one, uh, Sean Shelby actually said, like, hey, I want Chase to fight this guy. He's a, like, because this is, like, the level that I'm going to have to be fighting in the UFC. No, for sure. It's definitely the type of guys you'll be fighting in the UFC. And like I said, brother, you made it look very, very easy. And uh, I don't think a whole lot of 19-year-old kids can go out there and do that to Luis Gomez like you put it on him. And uh, it definitely speaks to your name, the teenage dream. You are definitely uh, definitely here for this day. I got uh, I got until September with that nickname. So Yeah. So what, what's it going to be after the teenage dream? Are we going to like steal someone else's, go the prodigy? No, still, uh, still kind of workshopping it. Um, I want to see what the what the people prefer. Um, <laughs> Do you have a couple options? Got a couple options. Um, Can we hear them real quick? Or is that going to be a wait? Uh, one of them, just dropping the teenage part, maybe switching it switching it to Spanish, going El Sueño. Ooh. Um, one of the Fight Pass guys suggested Hula Hooper. I don't know about that one. Sounds funny, though. <laughs> uh... Lots of variations on uh, the teenage dream. Definitely. What uh, what is next? Do you have an idea? Do you know a date, possibly a venue? Uh, honestly, we're just kind of waiting to hear um, what UFC wants. Um, my coach should be having a call with him pretty quick. I don't know what it's going to be like with the holidays, but uh, yeah, I think it goes. When you get to the UFC, is it going to be uh, for the 145-pound division, or do you see yourself maybe possibly going to lightweight, 135? What does your future hold? Uh, I'm going to definitely stay at 45 as long as I can. Um, I had, like, a different diet plan for this fight and then, like, a different, like, cutting and rehydration stuff, and that all works, like, super well. It's probably one of the easiest cuts I've ever had to 45, so I'm going to definitely um, – try to maximize my body for the division and then uh, not have to move up until I don't have another option. Yeah, like uh, Alexander Hernandez is a friend of the show who fights for the UFC also. He had the same problem. He wanted to stay at featherweight, but his body just got too big once he started getting to the 22, 23, and he had to make that move to lightweight. So, uh, so you're open to the move to lightweight if it is a body issue. Definitely. As long as I have time to uh, kind of feel it out weight-wise. Yes. Because I don't necessarily want to jump right into 55 being like a small 55-er. Yeah, there's some killers out there. Some huge killers out there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How do you feel you stack up against some of those guys in the UFC right now at 45? Uh, Maybe I those guys I... just right outside the top 15. I think um, I could do really well against a lot of guys, kind of, um, yeah, like below the top 15, not necessarily like the top 10 or the top five guys, but um, I think that honestly my grappling is a, is better than even some of the guys in the top 10. Um, oh, wow. 
jiu-jitsu is where a lot of people tend to lack. Um, they either are good at striking and have enough wrestling to prevent the takedowns or are wrestlers and like to smash guys up on the ground. Um, I'd say there's not as much traditional jiu-jitsu. Um, there's still a little bit, but um, I think my style would be hard for a lot of guys. So if you had it up to you, would your next fight be in the UFC or would you like to take maybe one more outside just to get the feel for things? Uh, I think I'm ready for the UFC as long as they don't give me like a super, uh, super tough guy starting off. Um, which I hope they wouldn't because it seems like they like me. So I don't, <laughs> I hope they wouldn't want to like, uh, destroy their investment like that. But, um, yeah, I feel like now, I'm ready for it as long as I have the time to prepare. If the UFC came to you, said Chase, uh, what do you and Jeff, who do you guys want? If you could choose anybody in the featherweight division, who do you have your eye on? Oof. I don't know. I'd uh, maybe I'd be like, "Hey, pick somebody from 35 and make them move up." There you go. Uh, I don't know. I definitely wouldn't quite want a top 10 guy yet. Maybe someone who's got like one or two fights in the UFC, who's maybe like one and one or something like that. It's definitely someone just starting off their career just like you. Yeah, so that way I can kind of get used to the level of competition. And then plus the added media too. I mean, you got all these other extra guys bothering you. You got, you know, the weigh-ins are a lot bigger. Everything yeah. else is a lot bigger, magnified. People talk about those UFC jitters. Uh, your coach, Jeff, has already been in the UFC. He's been in the big stages all over the place. How has he tied to prepare you for the bigger stage? Uh, I think it's like anything else. Like when you move up from amateur to pro or pro to high-level pro, and pro to the UFC, like, there's definitely jumps in competition. Um, I feel like my fight with Titan and all the media stuff leading up to it has been a really good kind of, like, dipping my toes in the water for what the UFC ha is going to have me do. Um, obviously, aside from the weigh-ins, which are pretty low-key, there's no open workout or anything, but, um, like, I was busy from, like, sun up to sundown, um, pretty much every day but the day of weigh-ins and the day of the fight. Now, are you the type of person that enjoys that? Do you not like being so busy? Would you rather be kind of by yourself doing your thing? Or do you like constantly having stuff to do so your mind's not just wrapped up in the fight? Uh, I both like and dislike it. Um, I like it because it makes the time go faster. And uh, then I don't have to think about the fight as much. Um, but I would also not have a problem with like leaving my house the day before weigh-ins and then like weighing in and fighting the next day and then just getting back home. But um, no, I definitely like hanging out with all the different guys and stuff and like just having a good time. So would a Washington card be something you'd be into? Uh, the thing about that would be that there'd be so much more pressure. Yeah, like, there's so many more yeah. people down there. Everyone asking you for tickets, all the extra yeah. requests for interviews. Definitely. Um, definitely be the hometown kid there. Yeah, I think the, uh, I'm pretty good at kind of ignoring people as far as that stuff goes. But uh, 
it would definitely be more pressure than if I were to fight in like uh, Vegas or like Australia or somewhere like that. Well, yeah. Do you have any destinations outside of the U.S. that you would like to go through in your fight career? Uh, all the warm ones. Or, uh, <laughs> so yeah. no, like Eastern European in the middle of winter. No, that and uh, like Australia obviously would be cool, or like um, anywhere in Europe. Yeah, I mean, uh, Western Europe, obviously. Paris. They just. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Okay, they in France. That and uh, Japan, just because of like, be all the history and stuff. Yes, and they're very, uh, it's a little different than fighting anywhere else because they're, they're quiet in the crowd. So some fighters, they actually really enjoy it to be able to hear their coaches, but then also some fighters are like, bro, I can hear the other coach. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm trying to game plan against the coach in my head and fight the guy. I just think it would be like a super cool experience to be able to go to like Saitama Super Arena and yes. like just see all the history and Tokyo stuff there. Dome. Yeah. No, for sure, brother. Well, it is the uh, 4th of July, so I don't want to keep you much longer. I appreciate you taking the time to do this interview with me. I know it was kind of last minute, so I appreciate it. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, the teenage dream, Chase Hooper, just got off an amazing victory at Titan FC 55. If you have not seen it, Go check it out on uh, Fight Pass. It's great. It's been up there for now about a week. But, Chase, before I let you go, can I give you a quick moment to give any shout-outs to sponsors, loved ones, or anyone that's helped you along your MMA journey? Uh, so my main sponsor is CTRL Industries and uh, my gym, Combat Sport and Fitness, for anybody that's kind of in the Seattle area um, should definitely come out and train with us. And then I've been actually talking to a guy from – Florida, um, who owns Wex Gunworks. He's a super cool guy. They're going to start helping me out with the fight stuff. So, yeah, I kind of appreciate all those people. Excellent, brother. And uh, where can the fans find you on social media? So, Instagram at C-H-O-O-P-556. No spaces or underscores or anything. Um, Twitter, Chase underscore Hooper. And those are the main ones. Cool, man. And uh, thank you for joining us on your day. I know you're busy. Uh, we appreciate the time, brother. Ladies and gentlemen, Chase Super. Thanks. This is Julio Arce, and you're listening to MMA Records Radio. All right, guys. Welcome back. At this time, Wally Wall and I are here to break down UFC 239 that is live this week in July 6th. T-Mobile Arena. It is going to be an amazing fight night for you. The card is stacked from top to bottom. At the top, you have the two goats. The greatest male fighter of all time, John Jones, defends his light heavyweight title against Thiago Santos. And the greatest female fighter to ever put on a pair of gloves, the woman who has single-handedly defeated every single featherweight champion and every single Bantamweight champion up until one person, the preacher's daughter, Miss Holly Holmes, who she takes on this Saturday night to solidify herself, Amanda Nunez, that is, as the greatest female fighter of all time and possibly one of the greatest fighters of all time. Yeah, man, those two fights are 
<laughs> the, the, the hype is real, you know. John Jones, you always said that the guy to, who will defeat John Jones is a guy with big knockout power. And Thiago Santos have that. He have that X factor. He have, you know, he can knock him out. And uh, Amanda Nunes, when you see Amanda Nunes, you, you think that maybe what what kind of fighter, you know, would be tough for her. Uh, a wrestler, not really, because you know, grappling-wise, Ronda is amazing, and she not and she, she she fucked her up. Holly Holmes is a great striker. She she a don't great technical striker. Great technical striker. She don't like to take risks. She you know when you talk about distance and shit like that, Holly Holmes is the best. So that's why I think Holly Holm is maybe the biggest fight for Amanda Nunes. The biggest challenge for her. No, for sure. But we'll get into those two championship fights a little later. We're going to start in the early prelims of the card. These are on UFC Fight Pass, the women's bantamweight division. Juliana Avila makes her UFC debut against Penny Kayazad. I messed that up most likely, but if you do remember Penny, she's from The Ultimate Fighter. She was in the finale against Macy Chosajan. Uh, Macy won the fight. Obviously, Macy's been running through a lot of bantamweight women at this time. Uh, Penny, at one point, was very, very scouted to be a high-level bantamweight. And she came over into the U.S. and kind of fell into hard times in Evicta, which kind of dropped her stock a lot. Juliana, Julia Alvila is a Evicta product also. She just won her last fight in Evicta. It's her first fight in the UFC very interested to see what these two women bring to the UFC. Yeah, that's a great, you know, that's a great way to start the show. The two female fighters who want to prove the they they belong here. Definitely. And welterweights Ishmael Nerdiv takes on Chance Rencounter. Chance Rencounter was on our uh, show this last week. Chance is looking to obviously make it two in a row here in the UFC. We're pulling for him here, obviously, because we sent both these guys messages and Chance wrote us and Ishmael didn't, so. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Only, only talking shit, but Chance was an awesome guy. It was great to get to know him while we had the chance here. Uh, so we're definitely rooting for him this weekend. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, in, it's in this kind of fight card when peop all the people will be watching that's you you really need to make a name for yourself and i really think that chance with if he wins that will be big for his career huge even definitely i mean this this entire card is so stacked the main event for the early prelims is a middleweight matchup between Edmund Shabazian and Jack Marshman. And Jack Marshman has been on a tear. Edmund Shabazian has also been on a tear. These two are going to collide here in just the third fight of the night. Yeah, this is crazy. Like We have so much great fights in this card. It's, it's unbelievable, man. No, for sure. Another great fight. The Start off the ESPN portion of the prelims. Who was he supposed to be fighting? Sugar Sean O'Malley. Alejandro Perez is now going to be fighting Song Yadong. Song Yadong is no slouch. Uh, he took on Vince Morales, who we had on earlier in the show. He is a great product from China. Song Yadong is going to be putting himself on the map in this bantamweight division if he can get a win over Alejandro Perez here. 
Yeah, he, he's from China, he said, and I think there, there's a lot of Chinese people, fighters right now in the UFC who are trying to make a name for themselves. And some of them, they are, with, with you know, one of them having a title fight. Yeah, Song, Song Yadong is the Kung Fu monkey. He is uh, on a, let's see, one, two, three, four, <laughs> five, six, six fight win streak, looking to make it seven in a row. He's the Kung Fu monkey. Like you said that, like it's, you know, it's a belt he has. <laughs> uh, like I said, this card's so stacked that Claudio Gadelia is fighting yeah. Ronda Marcos in the prelims of this fight card. This is going to be a great matchup for these two women. And I feel like this is one of those things where Ronda Marcos has to at least, if she does not, she needs to get a win. But if she can't get a win, she needs to have a great performance to keep herself alive in her UFC career at this point. Claudia Gadelia, I mean, she's Claudia Gadelia. She goes in there and she annihilates women. So um, looking forward to see what this is and if Claudia can get back on the roll and see what she can do in this strawweight division. Yeah, I really think that's not a that's not an, e an easy fight to get to give Randall Marcos to see if she would stay in the UFC or not. But you know, sometimes when you have your when you when you you have a big challenge, that's the only way to to really shine and prove yourself. Like we saw we saw with Jake and Berger. So I think that's maybe a good thing for her. Maybe 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 not. We will see. Definitely another guy getting a short notice opponent, Marlon Vera is taking on Nohelian Hernandez. Uh, this fight just actually materialized this week. So uh, we're definitely looking forward to see what Nolan Hernandez brings to the UFC. I believe he's an LFA product. I'm not entirely too sure. We all know what Marlon Chico Vera brings to the UFC. He's from the Ultimate Fighter Latin America. He's on a uh, three-fight win streak. So uh, we're looking uh, forward to see what he's going to bring to this UFC division. Yeah, that's a good that's a good fight to add in the card, and uh, I th I think that they added it uh, when they did did they add this uh, this fight in the card? You think you you said? Uh, I'm sorry, my mistake. I said earlier, Alejandro Perez was supposed to be fighting Sugar Sean O'Malley. That yeah, Marlon Vera is supposed to be fighting Sugar Sean O'Malley. Okay, and uh, no, Hernandez just replaced him this week. So Hernandez is stepping up, you know, uh, short notice. Yeah, short notice, stepping up in a complete step up in competition. Marlon Chicovera is someone in the UFC who is a legitimate contender, and this is a guy coming off of an LFA performance. So, you know, we have nothing to lose. So I think that he will come and fight, you know, and give, you know, and go 100%. And uh, if, he, if he wins, he wins. And if he loses, I don't think he will Definitely. really hurt his career. You see what happened with, like, uh, Vicente Luque and Derek Krantz. Derek Krantz yeah. hurt Vicente Luque very early in that fight and almost finished him. Uh, Vicente, being that wily veteran, was able to, you know, withstand the punishment and come back and get the victory. But uh, you never know. Marlon Chico Vera might go in there and take one, two, three shots and go down. Yeah. Now, to main event, the prelim part of the card, Gilbert Melendez is taking on Arnold Allen. Gilbert Melendez is a veteran in this UFC featherweight division, and Arnold Allen is a up-and-comer who is no joke. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. We know Gilbert Melendez 
you know, we, we all love him, we all respect him, he's a great fighter, but, you know, his UFC run wasn't the greatest run. Like, his, it the big side. like his strike force run. Right. Yeah, his career was mainly in strike force, and he's still fighting. At 37 of age, he didn't look very, if I remember, he didn't look very good in his last fight. I think he, I think he lost. Well, Arnold Allen's on a seven-fight win streak, and he's going to go in there and look to make a name for himself on Gilbert Melendez and put a stamp that he is here to stay in this featherweight division. Yeah, and uh, Gilbert Melendez is in four-fight losing streak right now, and uh, it doesn't really look good for him, I would say. Now, to start off the main card for UFC 239, welterweights Diego Sanchez takes on Michael Sieska. Uh, I'm looking forward to see what Diego Sanchez is going to bring to the table. It, it, at this point in time, like it, at the age he is, you kind of don't know what Diego you're going to get. You're going to get the Diego yeah. who goes in there and just fucking mauls guys. Or you're going to get the good Diego that's really conservative. Or are you going to get the Diego that just takes you down and holds you there? What Diego do we get? For the last couple of fights, Diego Sanchez has looked very, very good, especially for his age. I hate to say that, but it is true. For an older gentleman, he has looked very well. He looked very well. And, you know, Michael Chiesa in this division, those are two fighters that... If we we'll, if we go back in you know, two or three years, this fight would happen at at the uh, at the lightweight division. But yes. now it's happening in the yeah it's happening in the welterweight division. I think it's good for both fighters. They don't have to cut much weight. I think it's good for the sport. Yes, especially the Italian Maverick Marco Chiesa, because right now we want to we want he want us to to call him Italian, not American. Any? You know. The last time Diego Sanchez was in this building, he looked phenomenal against Mickey Gall. Yeah, he did, and Mickey Gall tried to bite him and shit like that. But, you know, this fight is really good. It's really interesting. And I will go, if I need, if I have to pick a fighter, like, I'm a fan of both of them, but I will go, I'm a, more of a fan of Michael Chiesa. I will go with Michael Chiesa winning by submission. I'm going to go Diego Sanchez by ground and pound in the second round. Ground and pound in the second round. Now, talk about an interesting matchup. Light heavyweight, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. Light heavyweight Luke Rockhold, former middleweight champion Luke Rockhold, steps up to light heavyweight for the very first time to take on Jan Blakovich. I am very excited about this matchup. Like I said earlier in the show, Jan Blakovich has only looked really bad once and that was against Thiago Santos and that man is now taking on John Jones for the UFC light heavyweight title but in this fight earlier on in the main event Luke Rockhold has an opportunity to put his mark in this light heavyweight division to show that he is a contender to potentially line himself up with what I think would be the buildup of the year him versus Anthony Smith Put those two on an ultimate fighter and let's give it hell. My God, it would be fucking amazing. Yeah. He's got to get through Jan, though, and I think without cutting weight, I think Luke Rockhold is a better athlete at this point. Yeah, and the big question is, you know, he got he got knocked out by Michael Bisping and Dioa Romero. People are saying he has a glass jaw and shit like that. I don't believe it. I think Dioa Romero can knock down anybody. And, uh, you know, uh, it's very interesting because I think we, we, like you said, we all kind of want to see Rockhold win just to see the fight against Anthony Smith, or you know maybe uh, 
in a couple of fights, uh, fight against John Jones. So it's very interesting. But you know, Jan Blakovic is a very danger, dangerous man. So this is a, a huge fight in the light heavyweight division. And just to imagine, a couple of weeks ago, that was supposed to be the very first fight of the pay-per-view. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of crazy, man. So now what is going to be the third fight of the pay-per-view, welterweights Jorge Masvidal. He's going to be bringing his three-piece in a soda into the cage against Ben Askren. What a phenomenal matchup these two are going to have. Ben Askren went in there, UFC 235. He got dropped on his head, regained himself, got himself a controversial submission victory, but now he's going up against a game-bred Jorge Masvidal, and he is phenomenal at this point. He was very underestimated against Darren Till. I underestimated him myself. He went in there and looked phenomenal. He completely knocked out Darren Till. Ben Askren needs to be worried about this man because he could go very well, go in there and knock out Ben Askren like he did Darren Till. Yeah, and he already fought against a specialist. He already fought against Damian Maya. Even though he lost the fight, but he fought against Damian Maya. He already, you know, have this experience of fighting against a fighter who really is an expert at, at one thing. So I really think that he learned from this fight, and I really think that it will be a problem for Ben Askren. I don't know, maybe it's not the same thing, you know, because sometimes jiu-jitsu guys have the struggle of taking fighters to the ground. Wrestlers doesn't have that struggle. But Jorge Masvidal is not just a great striker, even his ground game is good. He submitted a lot of guys. One of them is Michael Chiesa, who is a black belt in at jiu-jitsu. So, uh, so if you have to pick a winner, who will you say? Like... Uh, Did you hear me? Yeah, right now I can hear you. Yeah. Okay, so where were we? Yeah, well, I told you to pick a winner. Okay, sorry about that. I don't know what happened with my mic there. But what I was saying, even though I do like Jorge Masvidal a whole lot, I'm going to have to go with the wrestling of Ben Askren. I have to go with the wrestling. That is just the proven pedigree. And Ben Askren has proven to be a very good wrestler. I believe with a victory here over Jorge Masvidal, as long as it's not controversial, should earn him a next title shot with Kamar Usman. Uh, wait, I can't I can't agree with that because <laughs> Robert Hopper is fighting against my boy Colby. And, you know, nobody knows who will be fighting against Usman very soon. But I'll, if I have to pick a winner, I will, go with, I will have to disagree with you. I need to go with my brother from Cuba, even though I'm not from Cuba, but I love all the Cubans. Shout out to Cuba. I would go with Jorge Masvidal. I would say he would knock him out cool because Ben Askren didn't look very good for me in the, against Lawler. And I I think maybe he did, he did deserve to lose that fight and maybe he would lose this fight. No, definitely. So I'm going to go with Askren. You're going to go with Masvidal. We got those two locked in. 
Now we go to the title fights. And I want you guys to sit back. And I want you to think about something real quick. Jermaine Durandame, former featherweight champion of the world. Chris Cyborg, former featherweight champion of the world. Misha Tate, former bantamweight champion of the world. Ronda Rousey, former bantamweight champion of the world. Valentina Shevchenko, current strawweight champion of the world. These are all the women that the greatest female fighter of all time, Amanda Nunes, has defeated all of them outside of Valentina and Shevchenko. She finished convincingly. A lot of those women she sent out of the octagon forever. Yeah. She is fighting the only woman who has held either the featherweight or bantamweight title who has she has not defeated yet. And this lady has to be the most calculated striker to ever step foot in the UFC, men and women. Holly Holm is probably one of the most decorated strikers of our entire generation, and we don't even understand what we're seeing in front of us because it is that good. If there is a woman alive, a style of a fighter alive that could beat Amanda Nunez, like my good friend Waleed said, it is a calculated striker, and that is what Holly Holm is. She is one of the most calculated strikers we have ever seen, and I honestly think this Saturday night she might pull off the upset and beat the champ, champ Amanda Nunes. Yeah, and remember the last time Holly Holmes was, you know, a big underdog? Remember what she did? She knocked out uh, Ronda Rousey. People said that she was the GOAT at the time. People said that she is undefeated, and she was undefeated. People said that she can't lose. And look at her. Holly Holmes changed the game, and Amanda Nunes changed the game. Both girls changed the game because Amanda Nunes is the girl that destroyed Cyborg and Holly Hunt is the girl that destroyed Ronda Rousey. So those two fighters are huge, huge names in the MMA female, the female MMA female fighters. And I, I really think that Holly, like you said, I think Holly Holmes, you know, will will win. I think Holly Holmes will do the 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 unbelievable thing to win against Amanda Nunes. Amanda Nunes. Now, we're going to go on and talk about the light heavyweight division. And before we talk about this light heavyweight division, I want to talk about this man, John Jones. I'm not going to go off and list the accolades because you can go look those up on Wikipedia yourself. The man has never lost in the UFC. There's only been a hand, maybe, what, one guy who's ever really made him look like he's had a bad night at the office. Nobody has ever beat him in a fight. Nobody has ever even looked at to be his equal. This man is going in there to fight a middleweight contender in Tiago Santos. And I honestly think outside of a puncher's chance, Tiago has literally no chance. Yeah, I think John, that's the problem with John Jones because John Jones can strike with you, he can out grapple you. Yes. Like he out grappled DC. Like when when you, when you when you wrestle against DC and you are a better wrestler than DC, that's it. Like what what can we say? He is the you know he has he has the complete package. He can do it all, and it will be really tough for Thiago Santos. But, but you know, that's the problem with the uh, fighting for, uh, with the 
MMA and you know boxing and a uh, sport like that is that when you say that this fighter can't win, this fighter will win. When you say that it's uh you know now he have zero chances, it's the it's the nice when you the, the you know the greatest lose. So I th it will be tough, but I want to believe in the fairy tale, but I don't really believe in the fairy tale. <laughs> That's the problem. I think John, John Jones is just so good. It's like like you said on the. I think here's what he's going to do. I think he's going to go in there. He's going to try to control Thiago Santos on the ground. I think he's going to wear him out for two rounds. Once we get to that third round, once Thiago gets a little more tired and that explosiveness is not quite there like it was in the first two rounds, I think John Jones is going to go to work. He's going to pick him apart. And you're going to see Thiago Santos get finished within the third round. Yeah, he can do that. He can take his time. He can even finish him in the ground in the first round or in the second by submission. He can do it all. So it's a problem. It's a big problem for Thiago Santos. Thiago Santos and Thiago Santos, you know. But Thiago Santos, if he hurt him, he hurt him, you know, in the beginning of the fight. He has he have big chances of winning. So it, it will all depends in the first round how it goes. I would say. No, definitely. That first round is going to be the difference maker of the fight. If Thiago Santos can go in there and put on the pressure and put on a pace that John Jones is uncomfortable with in something that we've never seen John Jones in, then I feel like Thiago Santos has a chance. Yeah, I would say that too. But, you know, I think, you know, you, you need to have a little bit more. You, you either need to have more knockout power, like uh, Anthony Rumble Johnson, or a Francis Ngannou, or you need to have more things like just not just a knockout power, you know, kind of a good wrestling, uh, maybe. But it would be crazy. I don't to think there's a light heavyweight right now. I think it's going to be one of the younger guys. It's going to be like a Rockic, uh, Walker, uh, Dominic Reyes, or it's going to be a heavyweight. That's going to be John Jones. Yeah, or, or nobody. Like, those are the yeah, guys who nobody. have a chance. Those are the guys who have a chance of winning against John Jones. Like, just a chance. Well, it's four-ounce gloves. Let's be realistic. Anyone has a chance. Anything can happen. Yeah, I know. But... Anything can happen come Saturday. Thiago Santos could knock out John Jones. Holly Holmes could go in there and get lit up in the very first round by a man like she's done everybody else. These are four-ounce gloves. Anything can happen. Holly Holm can go in there and knock out a mind in Nunez. You don't know. That's the beauty of this sport is we can all sit here and speculate all day long what's going to happen. But with the size of these gloves and the way yeah. these men throw these hands and the way these women throw these hands, anything can happen. Anything can happen. That's right, brother. No, definitely. But I'm super excited. I will be there International Fight Week. I'm going to be taking off Friday. We'll be there for the press conference. We'll be there for the weigh-ins. We will be there for the fights. Me and the wife are going to sit there and enjoy the entire weekend. So we're looking forward to that. My brother Waleed, though, you're going to be watching these uh, back home in Algeria, yeah? Yeah, I will go back to Africa, to my, to my land, you know? To your and homeland. To yeah, to my homeland, not just my land, my homeland. Fuck yeah. Yeah, so this will be good. No, I'm super excited for you, brother. I can't wait for you to get back home and uh, be with all your family. Yeah, brother, thank you, brother. Hell yeah, man. But uh, uh, we will get back to some more MMA Wreckage Radio. My name is Jillian Robertson, and you're listening to MMA Wreckage Radio. 
All right, guys, this is where we wrap up episode 32 of MMA Wreckage Radio. We'd like to thank you guys for coming and joining us. We'd like to thank all of our guests that stopped by today. We have Vince Morales. He joined us today. Thank you for him. We have Chase Hooper. All you guys are amazing. Thank you guys for taking time out of your day. Wally Wall, thank you for stepping up when uh, someone else dropped his ball and went home with it. I appreciate that for sure. No, for sure. Uh, I heard this quote on the radio today, and it was just super fitting to every single thing that we have kind of been going through here at MMA Wreckage Radio, and it is be willing to walk alone because those who started with you may not finish with you. And uh, sometimes you just got to finish that shit with a whole different group of people, and MMA Wreckage Radio is here to stay. It is not going anywhere, and you can go up against any cage you want because I don't really give a damn. Yeah, it is what it is, brother, and you know, the show must go on, like you said. Exactly. Like I've been saying. But uh, thank you guys all for coming in and watching us and enjoying us and giving us time to annoy the fuck out of you for an hour and a half. Thank you for listening to our amazing radio. I'd like to thank all of our fans out there. If it wasn't for you guys, we would not be doing this. This fan base is what keeps this thing alive. You guys being out there is just what keeps us motivated to keep putting out content for you. So thank you guys for being there. And uh, if you guys want to reach out to us, reach out to us on our Facebook page, uh, MMA Wreckage Radio on Facebook. We're going to be starting up an Instagram page. Wally Wall is going to be running that, so he'll be uh, there to be annoyed whenever. (laughs) I will start to stalk all the UFC fighters, all the Bellator fighters, all the MMA fighters, so get ready because I will will stalk everybody. (laughs) In a good way, though, because, you know, Algerians and stalking isn't a great idea. Yeah, we will see. But uh, we'd like to thank MMAWreckage.com for uh, being a great host site for us. We will be doing a little bit of stuff at the International Fight Week. Uh, Just some quick things here and there. So stay posted to our Facebook page for that. Other than that, guys, I really can't think of anything else. But uh, thank you guys for listening to our 32nd episode of MMA Wreckage Radio. And we will be back next week with much, much more.